Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel V. Hill, Cecil Lammy will be joining us here in a little bit to break down some Broncos online competition. But Jake, before Cecil jumps in here, we got to talk about last night, a game I don't think really anyone expected to see out of the Avs. We knew they weren't going to win all 16 in a row to just sweep all of the teams to win the Stanley Cup. So they're facing their first part of adversity here. But for you, what was the biggest takeaway as to why the Avs lost last night? You know, it's funny because the players just straight up said it. Like, they were like, we didn't play good. Like, they just straight up did not play good last night. They didn't play their game. They didn't play as strong as they normally play. Um, they're a better hockey team than what they showed last night. But what I really learned was that we did not, as a media, a collective media, give the Blues enough credit. Like, the Blues – are a solid hockey team. There's a reason they're in the second round. There's a reason that they had 109 points this season. Like they are good. And the avalanche players all said, Hey, this is a hard hockey team. We're going to be in for a series. And we're like, all right, no big deal. Like it's okay. Whatever. Like this abs team's going to roll. And then after game one, the blues are like, we expect a long series. And now the media expects a long series. Like we just didn't listen to anyone actually on the, in the series saying like, Hey, these are two good hockey teams. Oh, absolutely. I'm getting a little bit of heat on Twitter today because I said that, you know, for games three and four, we really need to see a dominant performance from the abs to showcase that this game was almost a fluke. But while I say that, I say that as in, we need to see this team kind of own every bit of the ice. I don't need them to go put out 10 goals and, you know, win 10 to one or whatever it is. No, we just need to see a dominant performance on the ice, realizing that they understood what went wrong in last night's game and they're fixing it on every level. And I think that'll let people take a breather and not stress out about this second round because it really is, uh, John Davis said it, but it's the boogeyman for this Colorado Avalanche team. Yeah, second round's the boogeyman. And if you look at the stats from last night's game, like the Avs just simply got outplayed. Like I was saying, like that was the only time this postseason we've seen it. They were behind more in this game than they've been all postseason. Like they got out hit, they got out shot, they got out worked. Like every aspect of the game, the Avs were the worst team. It, and to me, that's really discouraging because to lose a home game where you are the worst team is, is a tough pill to swallow. I mean, the the players ended up agreeing with me, Rachel. You and I went back and forth last night about whether that that penal, those penalties were good calls or bad calls. Both players that I talked to were like, those were fine. Like, you, we understand why they were penalties. And to lose a home game in the playoffs because you were simply outplayed rather than, hey, maybe you got a tough whistle or the puck because it's not shaped like a ball bounced a weird way or – you know, uh, the goalie absolutely stood on his head like Bennington or Ingram could, you know, like to, to lose just because you were the worst team, it, it's rough. And now the Avs got to find a way to win a series best of five where they do not have home ice advantage. And we all knew going into game three of the second round that that was going to be like, this is the thing we've been waiting for for all year. Well, that timeline just got moved up because it's now no longer, okay, how do the Avs respond in that first road game? It's the Avs need to respond in that first road game. Yeah, and Maria in the comments saying, seeing you from St. Louis, we are here for tomorrow's game. 
Go Avs. First of all, we love that you're traveling. Please be super loud down there in St. Louis for tomorrow night's game. Obviously, it's going to be a tough environment. St. Louis is really, their fans, I'm sure, are ready to rock and roll tomorrow night. So it's going to be a good game. But again, when we look at those stats, it's kind of interesting. What really stood out to me the most was the blocked shots. 18 for the St. Louis Blues, 5 for the Colorado Avalanche. You know, you've seen this team dominate time and time again on so many different categories, but they truly got dominated right there just on the block shots, which, I mean, you got to give St. Louis credit. Bennington is playing out of his mind again. Like, he is doing so incredibly well for someone that we really hadn't talked about a whole lot. Like, there was some, like, but like spoken words about him obviously coming into the series, but it wasn't like we were all hyping him up. We weren't all super scared of him, but he's playing a great, great, like um, I, I I'm speechless for him, right? Like he's just, he's being better than what I anticipated. I, I said to you at the start of the series on this show, you've won a Stanley cup as a goaltender. That's a different mm-hmm. level. And that's why Darcy Kemper and Jordan Bennington are on different levels to me, even though Kemper's actually been a better goaltender in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, I was scared of Bennington. I said Bennington might steal a game or two. Well, the, the blues just won a game outright. And I still think Bennington might steal a game or two. I mean, game one, he kind of almost stole a little bit there. So you're getting into scary territory already with the avalanche only one, one. I don't want to completely overact, but you know, you talked about the block shots. I'm going to look at face-offs. Like those are both categories of effort. Like those are concentration things of block shots, putting your body on the line. When Craig Berube, this, the St. Louis blues coach was like talking to the guys and saying, Hey, we need to play better after game one. That's great. Every single coach in the history of coaching has told their team, we need to play better after a loss. Like that's not like something unique. And then all of a sudden the guys are like, Hey coach, that's a great idea. We didn't think of that. Like, come on, man. Like the blues players knew they needed to play better. It wasn't some switch to flip, like simply put, like the abs were not as locked in as they were in game one and the blues were, and maybe that's part of the fact that, you know, the blues had more time and finally figured out maybe a better game plan or something like that. But schematically they didn't really do all that much different they just hustled the loose pucks a little bit more and the abs made so many mistakes and you know we heard some media members last night talking about how the abs came out flat i said to you multiple times during the game the abs looked like they were buzzing they were skating pretty hard last night in I my mind do. yeah they, they were just jumpy like they were making mistakes it was more mistakes than it was flat mm-hmm yeah, especially compared to what we saw in game one. And I know there's been like some disagreement when it came to people that were at the arena saying that they looked flat, they looked rusty, and people on TV were saying, no, this team looks really good. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't think they looked flat last night. They just almost looked like they thought that they were automatically going to win this game and put one away. And St. Louis came out and said, hey, no, no, we're a good team. I mean, Mike Evans even said that this is really the Western Conference Finals. The St. Louis Blues are that good. So maybe we all need to listen to Mike a little bit and be like, all right, so here we go. Like, let's see what this team really is going to do. Let's see how they can handle the adversity, too. We got another comment from Heath, and he said, it's not going to be easy. I still feel like the Avs should win in six or six. Seven. So, you know, a lot of people were, we were saying five games, six games, maybe, but if this goes to seven, you're really just kind of getting that emphasis for what's going to happen for the rest of the playoffs if they can advance. 
Yeah, uh, I don't agree with Mike Evans because if you run into the Edmonton Oilers, and I know they're not that deep of a hockey team, but Duncan Keith is their top defenseman. He's not at the point in his career that he was when he won two Norris trophies, but they've got two of the five best players in hockey in in Connor McDavid and and Leon Dreisaitl, and I know their goaltending is terrible, but like they're a team that literally put up nine goals the other. I mean, they were in a a game where there was nine goals. It was six to nine, and both teams were in it the whole way. Like Both of those teams can just continue to score. Uh, What I will say uh, about St. Louis, you talk about that crowd being into it. Yeah, there's not much to do in St. Louis. They, they're definitely going to be into it. Like, that's the thing to do is go to a Blues game. There's It's go to Blues or Cardinals games because it's not like there's that much excitement things happening around town. Whereas here, like, people are going to go ski a basin this weekend. Like, you know, so – there, there's there's a legitimate excitement for this Blues team in St. Louis. I understand it. They are recent time cup winners. Uh, we were talking about last night even, you know, there's 11 guys from this team that won a cup a couple of years ago, but they've also got, you know, Nick Letty and Brandon Saad who won cups in Chicago. These guys know how to battle it out in a long series. The Avs, the one thing this team has not proved, they've proved a lot. They're very good. They're very talented. They're very skilled. They're very tough. One thing they have not proved is to battle it out over the course of a rough series. And this might be the thing that puts them over the top if they can, you know, pass this little check mark uh, in terms of the, you know, their list of things to do on their path to the to mission 16W. Yep. And we're not panicking yet. Obviously, we're all we're aware of what's happening because we've had our hearts broken before. I've said this a ton, but Nathan McKinnon took the podium last night too, to speak about the loss. And you know, he wasn't thrilled either. So we've got a quote from him. It says, we didn't have our jump tonight. Our, our execution was off. Yeah. Just weren't feeling it, just fighting it out there. But what really stood out to me is we've got to forget about it and move on and get back to the way we can play. And I think that's going to be super important for this team. But Cecil Lammy is now here with us. We're excited to talk a little bit of Broncos. We heard from them on their weekly uh, press conference yesterday. Cecil, how are you? They still punch in, but I am drinking coffee out of my Stormtrooper glass. So, you know, always representing Star Wars. I like it. I like it. Well, Cecil, yesterday we heard from some of the Broncos down at UC Health Training Center. What was your biggest takeaway? Biggest takeaway is the energy. Of course, everybody's talking about it. And just uh, things are more real now with this team. I know that even our dear friend Zach By, he doesn't know what Broncos football is. He really doesn't. Uh, you guys know you've been in Colorado long enough to realize what Broncos football is truly about. It's the winning ways. It's the tradition. It's the standard of excellence that was maintained through Mr. Boland's time and owning the team. I know there in the Vance Joseph era, they went and they actually had more losing seasons uh, than Super Bowl appearances. But that was from, what, 84 till 2020, whatever it was like. Yeah, this team's gone a long time of playing at a high level and you can tell that with Russell Wilson in the building everything's back the standard the excellence and also the expectations I think that's really important in football and in life uh you know if you look at your target you're going to hit it so look at your target it's Arizona it's the Lombardi trophy and that's what this team is focused on realistically focused on as well no sort of pie in the sky like we're dreaming of a Super Bowl nope this team feels they can compete for a Super Bowl and I wholeheartedly agree Oh, gosh, we can all hope so. We're, you know, we talk about the abs in the playoffs. We want to see the Broncos in the playoffs as well. But Quinn Miner spoke with the media yesterday about losing some weight and what he expects the speed of this offense to look like. Let's take a listen. Yeah, so last year, I mean, I was, you know, floating a couple pounds under 330. 
Um, and, you know, I kind of had a, you know, a sense that this offense is going to be more predicated on, on speed. And um, I wasn't happy with some of the, the positions that I was in last year with, with some of the, you know, things that I was doing wrong. Um, so, yeah, I kind of took it upon myself to lose some weight. I would say around 10 pounds. You know, I'm, I'm trying to stay around that, that 320, maybe a couple pounds under is kind of where I'm, I'm feeling um, the best right now. Cecil, when you look at this offense, how fast do you expect it to be this season with Russell Wilson behind um, being the quarterback? Yeah, and it's on blocking system as well. You know, it's Russell Wilson running the show. It's the, the you know, ability to extend plays and keep plays alive with his feet. Well, of course, keeping his eyes downfield because that's what Seattle didn't like and it's what Denver is going to allow him to do. Like, just go do Russ things. And that means extending plays, keeping things alive. And as offensive linemen, you must be more athletic. You must be able to hit those moving targets, those moving linebackers who are flowing and scraping to the play. And hopefully you can at least get in their way and be an effort blocker. But in order to do that, you have to understand angles. Football is a game of geometry. People say it's a game of inches. No, 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 no. It's a game of angles. It's a game of angles. And this game has to be that way when you're running a zone blocking system where you give your running back the ability to bend, bang, or bounce. You can bend it back. You can bang it through the hole where it's supposed to be, or you can bounce it outside. And at the entry point, at the uh, you know point where the handoff is made to the back, that's where he's got to make that decision. And you've got to have offensive linemen that are able to capable of getting out there in space and blocking those guys, the belly, they cut my, my answer out of the quotes, by the way, I'm a little, a little miffed by the Broncos there, but uh, I asked him like, well, you're not the belly anymore. What are we supposed to call you? And he's like, well, still call me the belly basically, but he's working on his game. I think this offensive line will be the tale of how far this team can go. And I, I will, um, amend something from earlier Rachel I hate to do that so early I need to drink more coffee but the point is the play that's the the playoffs are uh it's weak sauce you know what I mean when when Nuggets fans are excited yes I'm going to take time out to uh slam the Denver Nuggets because they're super excited about making the playoffs everybody Oh my God, this is Broncos country. And now that we're back and I'll say we, yeah, we're back. Get out of here with that noise about like, Oh, Hey, it's the playoffs, everybody. No, it's super bowl or bust. That's what it is with Russell Wilson. And you know, this is, and God bless the other teams. The Avs better win it all or else Jared Bednar is going to get fired. But either way, like that, that team is set up best team in hockey. They're set up to win it all. So they're different. But there is a settling in the fan base that is it's corrupt amongst Nuggets fans, to be sure. And I don't want that mindset creeping into Broncos country like, it's fine. We made the playoffs, everybody. Get out of here. Like, uh, whatever. Extra team make the playoffs every single year. Like, just because the Broncos were abhorrent and an embarrassment and horrific to watch, want to gouge your eyes out every time you watch the Denver Broncos over the last few years. No, no, no. The standard is back. The standard is Super Bowl. So the standard is uh, pretty high, as it always is with Broncos country. Cecil, how can the Broncos be back when the Nuggets are the team that more recently won a playoff game? Like, you want to say the Nuggets are settling and stuff, but I- I'm not someone that believes sports is all just ring culture and the only goal is rings. Like, yeah. I had a heck well, of a Well, it depends on why you're a sports Nuggets. fan. Why, why are you a sports fan? You know what I mean? Like, that, this is a I, great I, I watch conversation awesome debate. I want to be part of awesome crowds, awesome communities. Right. Like, the Nicole right. Jokic back-to-back MVP, 
MVP years, two of my favorite memories uh, as a sports fan. Like, yeah, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be just rings. Well, I'll say this. If we're talking legacy, it has to be. Nikola I don't Jokic. care about legacy. The legacy in my own mind is that Nikola Jokic is the greatest basketball player I've ever seen on the hardwood in Denver. Like, All I don't right. care if he's yeah. won a ring or not. The problem that becomes that is how does everyone else remember him? Because you're going to have fond memories. You're going to be there. But and why Nuggets do fans, I care what some random media members has to say? Well, it's not, it's not random media members. It's how he's remembered. You, you know Dan Marino. Okay, I'm quite a bit older than both of you. But Dan Marino, probably the greatest natural passer of all time. I mean, incredible release, like lightning quick release. Great passer. He was a 5,000-yard passer in 1984 when that stuff didn't happen. Not that it happens all the time now. I believe there's seven seasons of 5,000 yards passing. Dan Marino's never mentioned in an all-time great, ever. And if Nikola Jokic doesn't win a ring, he won't be either. And that's just the bottom line. I, I, don't, I don't want to be mean. And Nuggets fans, very you know excitable. Yes, that's true. It should be awesome. But to me, as a sports fan, it's about having that demand. It's about the entertaining moments. Hell, I love Larry Johnson. Uh, I've got Knicks gear somewhere around here, and I hate to admit that I'm a Knicks fan because the Knicks have sucked for most of your guys' lifetime. Hell, half of my lifetime they've sucked. <laughs> but the thing is, Larry Johnson and Patrick Ewing never won a ring. Never. So, you know, hey, I got great memories. I got the four-point play against, uh, you know, Antonio Davis and the Indiana Pacers in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, got great memories. They win a ring. That stings. So at the end of the day, for me, it's not necessarily ring culture, but it does come back to what do you expect from your team and are sports more than entertainment? Do you want to be able to sit at a bar with your buddies or maybe not even your buddies and be like, my team won it all? Or do you want to be like, we were really good and we were entertaining, guys? Well, I can, I can watch Netflix, Disney+. Plus. There's tons of entertainment out there. I want championship moments and that's where i hope this is a larger conversation but i hope the denver nuggets have that mindset i don't believe they will or they do and that comes from the very top that comes from Cronky. um but i hope i'm wrong i would love to see it obviously but i think nikola Jokic, greatest big man passing big man in nba history if he doesn't win a ring no one's going to remember him that way and it's unfortunate but there's nothing to prove that the Den- Denver Broncos are back yet or that they actually have those. Yeah, the, there was a caller because they say they're going, they want to go to the Super Bowl and they have championship expectations. The Nuggets say the same things. There's just because yeah, but the Nuggets don't have the history of doing they that. automatically get to that level. I, I yeah, mean, we, had, we had a caller the other day that brought this up like, we don't know what Russell Wilson's going to be. But for football teams, more than a quarterback. Uh, well, uh, tell that to everyone who doesn't have one. <laughs> All right. Tell that, tell that to this team. who is, We're going to play defense and run the ball with Vic Fangio. Like, mm, no, nah, I have to agree with Cecil on this because I think championship rings do matter the most. I mean, Nicole Jokic just won back-to-back MVPs. He's the first player in NBA history to have 2000 points, 1000 assists, 500 rebounds in one season. And we talked about it for three days. If they had won or the NBA finals, we would talk about it for weeks. You'd talk about it forever. Huge, massive. But that's the thing is in Broncos country, they've won the Super Bowl. So they've done it. We haven't seen the Nuggets do it. So I think that's kind of the main point is 
you have to win the championship to be really considered like an all-time legend in people's minds. Cause yeah, if Nicole Jokic doesn't win one here in Denver, people will be like, Oh yeah, that guy who did it, like we'll remember his name, but it won't be that standing legacy here in Denver. Of well, the Brown. Carmelo Anthony nuggets have gone further. And no, I, I personally, the Western conference finals and Jokic is the, one of 13 players to win MVPs multiple times in his career. Like we're going to remember Jokic for forever. We'll talk about him for forever. That's going to last for forever. I, I don't know that argument, but in terms of uh, championships, of course the championship is the number one. You ask Jokic what he wants. It's a championship. We all want a championship, but to say it's the only thing I think is a false narrative. I would personally love and enjoy just seeing the Broncos win a couple playoff games. Like the goal ultimately, of course, is the Super Bowl. But I think taking those steps is still part of a fun journey. Like obviously the playoffs with the Avs last year were a huge disappointment losing to Vegas. But watching these guys grow and McKinnon and McCarr has been awesome to do, especially if they ultimately overcome that adversity as part of their journey. I'd say yeah. sports is like entertainment. Sorry, Rachel. No, um, you're okay. Because you want to see the hero, you know, get the girl or win the prize or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what we see with sports. So I agree with you in terms of the journey. I remember, again, I'm old. I remember Michael Jordan battling against the Pistons. He could never beat them. He could never beat them. They'd beat the hell out of him because basketball was real back then. And, uh, well, you could, you know, don't get me started on today's basketball and how soft these players are. But Jordan went to the weight room. He got stronger. He fought back. He, I mean, he beat them up so bad that they left the court before the game was over mm-hmm. when they finally got over the hump. So if the abs can do that, if they can fight back, cause they're going to be physical, people are going to be physical with them. That's how you're going to try to win. You're going to try to goon it up uh, against the abs. I don't think it works, um, but that's journey. If it ends in a championship, that's worth it. If it doesn't, we're entertained. We're going to talk about it for a while, but we're not going to, it's not going to be as emphasized. So again, it's a large conversation. I could definitely do three hours with Jake about this and with you too, Rachel. Um, But I will say this, like, I want the mindset to be different. I don't want the mindset to be like, we're the playoffs, everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. no, not with this team. This is championship or bust. And uh, I think they could compete this year for one. I don't think they have to wait. I don't think they have to ramp up and, you know, eventually they'll be there. Like, that is, um, well, it's, I already called out Tyler about it. I said, I think Tyler, that's a loser's mentality. For a Super Bowl champion, I told him that. I was like, you're going to take time. We're going to ramp it up. And then one day the league doesn't work like that. It's not your turn. This is a problem with the Nuggets window that's been open since the bubble. I know, I know, injuries, whatever. Never should have paid MPJ. But the problem is your window's been open and windows can only, Michael Malone even talked about it. Windows only stay open for so long and the league doesn't stop for you. The West is going to get better except for what Utah. So with the Broncos, I'm not saying like, let's make the playoffs, everybody. I'm like, go win it because this Russell Wilson tears his knee in two years. Never the same. Oh man. They were just, they were right there. Everybody like, no, go for it now. Don't waste time. And well, time is of the essence. Well, I'm going to be the last one to speak on this because I do think I see Jake, I see your point, but I do think that championships really are at the end of the day. Nicole Jokic says he doesn't care about the MVPs, right? He just wants to win a championship. We said if this avalanche team doesn't win this championship, this entire team is a, or this entire season has been a disappointment. 
for Broncos, you got to really got to make a push to beat the Super Bowl champions this year. So I want to move on. Otherwise, I think we could all literally have a three hour conversation on this. Uh, But going back to Quinn Miners, you know, he lost 10 pounds. He says that he's feeling better. But really, for a guy who weighs 330 pounds, Cecil, how much does it matter to lose 10 pounds? How much of a weight is that lifted off of your body? Well, I've never been that big, but I was close. Not calling you out, Cecil. No, no, no. Hey, I got soda. Let me finish. I got sodaweightloss.com, man. I I, uh, lost 55 pounds, and I feel great. So I can't imagine being that size Mm -hmm. and losing 10 pounds, but I'm sure it's exponential, right? Like if you're 330 and now you're 320 or 315, you're feeling better about the movement. So, again, I I think that in this zone-blocking system, you're going to need to be – Smaller and more athletic offensive lineman. Miners was that at Wisconsin Whitewater. He bulked up in a gap system under Pat Schirmer. Just an awful, awful, awful coaching staff. Terrible. Now they're back. They've got a new direction. So, you know, I imagine that that, that weight lost will be good, especially at altitude when he's out there moving around trying to hit linebackers on the move. And I think this offensive line, again, three-hour conversation, I think the offensive line of the five starters, there might be four new starters next year. There might be three new starters next year. Now, not this season. This season should play out the way that we imagine it will with Reisner at left, Cush in the middle, Glasgow at right, if he can stay healthy. Miners is going to push for that right spot. But then I look at left tackle with Garrett Bowles. I look at right tackle. You got Billy Turner for now. It's like a one-year thing. So this offensive line is going to be a topic of conversation because if they don't go to the Super Bowl, if they don't make a deep run in the postseason, it's going to come down to the offensive line. And that's where changes could be made. So put a pin in this conversation. We'll be back to talk more offensive line, I'm sure. Miners also discussed how, you know, he's kind of dabbling in that center role. But we've also seen the Broncos' newest draft pick, which is Luke Wattenberg. So how is that role going to, you know, kind of be flexible in these upcoming weeks as we kind of see what can happen towards the beginning of the season? Lloyd Cushenberry is on the hot seat, to be sure. Um, And I've talked to Lloyd himself. I've talked to plenty of players around Lloyd. And I've said, is he mean? Is he mean? Because when he was at LSU – and I enjoyed his game, and he was part of that historic run that LSU makes. Well, okay, he's not mean. At center, you don't have to be very intelligent, which Lloyd Cushenberry is, as I say, intelligence instead of intelligent. I went to one year of community college, everybody. Okay, this is what you get, all right? <laughs> uh, but I, I look at it with Cushenberry. I know he's smart. That's not the issue. He's not mean, <laughs> and that's a problem. Wattenberg would be mean. Miners would be mean. So you want a little attitude up front. You want to overcome some of the shortcomings that this offensive line does have. They do have it. Well, how do you overcome that? You overcompensate it. Uh, It doesn't mean getting a lift kit on your truck. It means going out there and be a little bit extra, extra physical, extra mean. And Christianberry doesn't have that in his body. I've seen it enough. I know Nick, Nick Ferguson, he's always defending. I'm like, dude, this is it for Kush. Like, I like Kush. But this is it. If he doesn't do it this year, he's not going to do it. And, you know, that's the problem. So center, it's wise to be looking elsewhere because you may have to do that, especially because Kush's contract is going to be up and you you won't have any money. (laughs) Another reason why they should win it all or go for it now is because pretty soon they're not going to have any money. 
And uh, Russell Wilson's going to get five for 250 fully guaranteed. That's if they get him at a deal. So uh, get this thing figured out quick. We got a comment and says, will the wide receiver core determine how far the Broncos will be at the end of the season? Mm, I think that actually the running back position will do that because we talked about the offensive line. And once the playoffs get here, it's play great defense, run the ball. Because the league is smaller, you're seeing kind of a pendulum swing. It'll go back to where you're going to have larger linebackers and larger safeties and larger players on defense because teams are going to go, oh, everyone's light and fast, let's run. And the key in today's NFL, I don't want to get too uh, film nerdy, but the key in today's NFL is stopping the run at minus one, meaning you're going to drop eight, you're going to have three on the defensive line. You've got to be able to stop the run with three on the defensive line. That's minus one. Usually there's four on the defensive line, but you want to drop eight and I can do math. So if you're going to drop eight, because everyone's pass happy, that means those three guys up front, it better be big. They better be massive. They better, better be able to stop the run. So the Broncos will go farther if their running game is able to do that because the wide receivers, I mean, they're falling. George Payton, you drop something. Oh, it's wide receivers. It's fine. You know, he's getting, you know, that's what it happens all the time with this team. So the wide receivers will spread things out, but it's that ground game. Defenses will be minus one against Denver. They have to run. They have to run the ball late during the season. Let Russ cook, fill the air with footballs. That's fine. Postseason, flip the switch. You have to do something different. And the different thing is run more, play defense. They go hand in hand. Cecil, I can't remember if I've asked you this, but list off your wide receivers in what order you think they're going to be the most productive this season. Oh, okay. It would be Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can Jerry Judy step up into that number one role? No, no, I don't think so. We haven't seen it yet. He's not Justin Jefferson. Like, he's just, that's not going to happen. Is he better too? Sure. You know, um, but to me, I think we've kind of seen where he's at, unfortunately. And, you know, this is the greatest wide receiver and the greatest wide receiver draft class. And not just me saying that. Everybody said that. So to see that is disappointing, but at least gets at least get something out of him this year. And if that's a high quality number two, then so be it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, both of you, as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Coffee Break to start up everybody's Friday morning. Cecil, cheer to you. Everybody, stay safe. Hopefully, we really don't have that much snow here in the Mile High City. I thought summer was upon us. I guess not. We'll see. But thank you both for hanging out. And thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us as well all week long. We'll be back Monday, 1030 a.m. Mountain Time. We'll have to see again, everybody, later. Have a safe and good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you guys later.